Hello and welcome to the Equiline Podcast. This is Dr. Wendy Corin. This is Dr. Dave Lundquist. And today we have one of our favorite special guests, Dr. James Spencer. Hi, James. Hi, hey, James. Thanks for having me. Nice. Well, we love this because he does what we want to do with our horses and our dogs with humans. And the number one cause of issues with our horses, and to a lesser extent our dogs, is humans. So what we're going to discuss is the movement towards balance and how important it is in everyday function and health. Yep. And I'm not only a fan, I am also a client. Well, Absolutely. And loving it. <laughs> and I can talk, we'll talk later about results because that's what it's all about. It comes down to how it works. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me. I, I think the key to a lot of people's issues is creating awareness. And as my mentor and business coach says, awareness is curative. So with people's balance, they may think they have good balance, but when we assess them, many times that is not true. Well, what I find is that lack of awareness is the absolute universal issue about anything that requires improvement and everything requires improvement. I don't care. I mean, the yes. people who are the best are the ones who know they continuously need to improve. What does Satori, right? Yep. Is that absolute ability to recognize that you can continuously get better. And balance is physical, social, biological, it's all of the things and how much awareness exists mm -hmm. of yeah. that network. And most so, people don't know till they, you know, till they fall that they didn't have balance. You know, they don't realize it until it's a crisis. Exactly. Or they blame. Exactly. Yes. Right. And, and we see that whether it's uh, with our riders or general pop people, that many times when we create the awareness towards their balance, instantaneous improvement, because you create the awareness. Well, it, as you know, since I love fascial work and taping and all of that, the entire proven function of that is to create awareness. Correct. It's not stabilizing. It's not doing all of the things that, that salesmen tell you it's doing. It's merely proprioceptive, and now your body knows where this is, or it creates a track because of that. So um, I know that people rarely talk about balance mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. And I'm fascinated because I sit on a balance chair only and I otherwise my body yells at me. If I'm out of balance, it's quite loud. I don't find that, that in the population of the humans I know that they notice mm -hmm. that they, you know, you're looking at someone and their upper body is off to one side and they're, and I was like, I, how do you look in the mirror? Correct. So how do you create awareness? Well, first, there's many ways of learning, right? Whether it's tactile, whether it's mirror image, and or just literally showing them how there's a difference side to side. Like what we were discussing earlier with the hula hoop, right? I don't need to coach you or tell you, you feel it. So many times, just basic with a single leg stance, if you stand on one leg and compare that to the other side, is it symmetrical? And we know many times that we're not going to see that. 
most of the time, so we're not going to see Correct. that. I learned that lesson very <laughs> close. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and what fascinates me, though, is sometimes when you're doing a muscle test and you're, and you're identifying this imbalance, that when you bring it to awareness, somehow it doesn't actually get to awareness. Correct. You know, it's like, can you feel the difference between your strength and this? Or did you notice that you fell over when I asked you to stand your right leg? And mm -hmm. they go, no. Mm -hmm. So what, what do you do to get them to actually recognize? I find people sometimes recognize something on a physical level, but it doesn't reach the cognitive level. Mm -hmm. I'd like to share a story, and this is one with uh, an older equestrian rider that I had a few years ago where she didn't have the confidence to get on the horse anymore because of fear of falling. And what we did is we, we kind of tapped into the emotional component of this as well. And so as she was walking on the beam, the emotional component came out and she said, my favorite movie is Dirty Dancing. And this reminds me of the log scene. Wow, I had goosebumps with right. that, right? <laughs> And instantaneously, a, a huge improvement for her balance because then it became play. There was an emotional component tied to it. And over the course of six to eight weeks, she's back on her horse riding. Wow. Nice. And I think that's huge. We, we, we spoke early before starting talking um, on air about um, moving towards you know, as opposed to the goal of reaching or, uh, or gaining balance. And it's always moving towards. So that, you know, the, the visual <laughs> of somebody walking on a balance beam where they're moving towards something so that their focus is more global and less mm -hmm. local uh, has a component to it, I, I imagine. Um, yeah, I can I can relate to the fear piece. Correct. Oh yeah. You know, from from when I was a barrel racer and as fast as I can go and all of this and and part of getting older and multiple injuries is wow, I know what it feels like. Absolutely. <laughs> and and there's you know, that fear creates apprehension. Apprehension creates uh less uh quick thinking. Mm -hmm. So you're not processing fast enough so you do make mistakes easier and which and could lead to falls and which and then you know you just get a vicious loop gets going where exactly. you, you're just thinking about it makes people get into that apprehensive state and they get jittery and they get they have fear and and well and how they're spoken to because i know when when i work with you and i see you working with dave you're very very um deliberate about the words you use when you're with somebody. Correct. You know, and leading towards that, that my business coach had to create awareness for me that everything lives in our language. So I am very <laughs> conscious or aware of how I speak, the words I use, because as we know with cl as clinicians, that also plays into the psyche of the patient. Right? Well, Thought when we viruses. hear coaches like, don't do this, and they're like, well, there you go. There's a, there's a prescription Correct. for exactly what you don't want. And we, we t Dave and I started with us, I started learning NLP in the 70s, you know. For and so we just, go, exactly. we just go, don't think of blue. Exactly. You know? and, and, 
you know, raising kids, we, I used love that because you can control their minds just by telling them what not to do. Correct. And it's just fun to mess with them that way. And I wrote a book called As You Think, So Shall You Be, because language. Mm-hmm. And I hear you speak to clients occasionally and go, it's oh, so beautiful because it's, it's moving towards mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and setting them up for that. So, so again, when you are improving awareness, what tools do you use to do that? Besides metaphor yeah. is one. Visualization. And, and specifically for the balance beam, before people actually attempt to walk across, I have them visualize themselves on the other side of the beam. And as we know, it's, it's battles win wars. So I want them to win a battle and continuously do that so eventually they meet that goal. Okay. And is that equal for your people who who are functioning visually versus the people who are more kinesthetic yeah. versus the people who are more auditory do you find you have to yeah you got to cater to their needs many people whether i turn on a particular song or music it changes the outcome of the balance beam i love that right <laughs> and again same thing give them an advantageous situation for them to win and then challenge them and make it more difficult yeah, I, I love when I notice fear and then the fear becomes, oh, that was easy. What's next? Like immediate leading to, you know. The, wanting more. Wanting more. And to your point, that's what I always suggest. Whatever your goal is, well, you're going to achieve that. What's the next goal? That's what I want you to start looking for. Well, and that goes to moving towards balance. Okay, so now you can stand without falling over, and now you can do the balance beam. What's next? next? And often they don't know. Correct. And, you know, and how do you help them find out? Well, again, it's all internal, right? They have to have these internal conversations with themselves. I help facilitate, maybe guide them down the path of, what do you want to do with your life? Whether that's professionally as a rider or, hey, I would like to be a hobbyist and go trail riding with my family again. Right. And, and to do it enjoying it. Correct. And be, so that gets to me in being present. Correct. <laughs> and that, that's, exa- that's everything that balance is about because it's self-limiting. If you can't walk across the beam, I could suspect that you have the laundry list of things you have to do the rest of the day. However, if we remove that crutch from your brain and you become present, you will walk across the beam. Ah, the be here now. Correct. Correct. I, if you're not focused on what you're doing, you're not going to do what you're doing well. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's yeah. really funny because I've caught myself. We, I would be on my horse, see someone else riding and feel envious that they were riding. Mm -hmm. And I went, wow, what level of disassociation am I at that I forgot I was on a horse? (laughs) And yet we watch, and for those of you at at the horse show and all that, you see people who are on their phone, who are outside their body, outside their Mm -hmm. physical awareness, and they're not living in that moment. How do you be balanced if you're not there? And I had that experience uh, two days ago, walking the dogs through the neighborhood, 
had this young kid had two dogs and was glued to the phone and had no awareness that we were walking at him with two dogs. So I had to detour and create a little bit of a, an aha moment for him. Like, hey, wake up. Right. Be present. Get off that damn phone and pay attention to what's around you. Yeah. And that's, it is a huge challenge to balance on, on every level and to health and longevity Correct. for sure. You know, um, so what, so the balance beam is your, is, is a tool. Correct. What other balance tools? So there's a good study that just came out a couple months ago. Uh, and people are very, you know, constricted for time. So brushing your teeth and standing on one leg over the course of eight weeks improves static and dynamic balance. Do you alternate legs or does it matter? Your choice, right? So if we're brushing our teeth suspected twice a day for two minutes per time, one minute on each leg over the course of eight weeks. All right. I challenge everybody out there. I want you to do this. I I will. I will start tonight. It's not as easy as you think. I want, and maybe it's easier. Doesn't count if you're leaning on the sink. Correct. Right. I I challenge you to do this and to give us your feedback, because and and this is something Dave actually said yesterday. What do you learn from it? You know. Mm -hmm. I mean. Mm It's not just the experience, but what's your takeaway? Mm-hmm. Do you give up? Do you give in? Mm-hmm. Do you persevere? You know, what, exactly. what's the, what's the get mental piece of this where if, it, if you fall over the first time, do you give it eight weeks or do you Correct. say, I can't do this? Correct. You know, which goes back to what you were saying before about coaching and, um, and the language that people use that we hear sometimes and you're like, how, how can success follow this amount of, you know, Correct. just, just. It uh, can't. It, yeah, it, it cannot. Can't. I agree. Yeah. I, and so I, I, I can take this in so many levels, but it, so we have how you speak with them. Mm-hmm. how you advise them into the future, how you get them on the balance beam. I know you use other tools. Correct. So I know needles. I know proprioception. Does that come in initiating, or do you build that in, or is it? Yeah, it's built into the evaluation. So the dry needling may be a tool that I use, also a research modality to improve balance. So whether it's, it's creating uh, actual muscle activation and or proprioception, it's a kind of a two for one. So sometimes I'll just put a few needles into maybe the peroneal muscles to help create a better balanced foot, which will transfer up to the chain. Well, and that, that fascinates me too, because um, we find when we're looking at a human that they don't even know they have feet. And they're crouched, they're crunched into these shoes that are too narrow mm-hmm. so that they've trained themselves to have no awareness. And, you know, it's easy to, to discuss this with equestrians because you go, okay, how many bones does your horse have in its foot? The answer is one. <laughs> how much attention do you pay to that one bone? Exactly. Now multiply this by 24 in each of your feet and... Yeah. Prioritize. And, so. and how many people have sprained an ankle? I don't know many who haven't, right? 
So, I did this exactly. Week. Yeah, exactly. So when, when we sprain that ankle or that ligament is damaged, proprioception's decreased, right? And a rider I saw today, why does my right lower back hurt? Well, the left ankle that you broke three years ago, although not painful, is clearly still a problem because you don't want to load that leg, so you shift into the right lower back. Right. Well, and what we do is we flip the saddle pants exactly. over and we go, uh, uh-huh. Eureka, you're only <laughs> weighting one side of you and now you're ex- blaming the horse. Correct. Right. And we talked a little bit about this before that started is blame and balance. Correct. You know, how do you move towards balance when you're blaming external circumstances, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So... And to your point, a lot of the internal conversation, everything is within. There's really nothing out there, right? And helping guide people on that path of of looking within and asking themselves questions to find answers. Well, and that means a categorical shift, a categorical shift in their approach to life. Correct. Because we have absolutely been trained to blame. Correct. And train that, ex, you know, whether it's from drugs or whether it's from, you know, wherever you gain your, your data from, um, from advertisements, it's always somebody else's fault or somebody else's responsibility, and this will fix this and this will fix that. And to actually, I mean, I just fascinated me. I had an amazing response from a dog in Ocala, and it went, it was completely down on the hind end. It was only six months old. And, you know, the, the dog started tracking correctly after an adjustment in the fascial work taping. And they said, but it still has muscle weakness. I said, really? How <laughs> odd. After 30 seconds yeah. of, of not using the muscle yeah. for... Yeah. So, when was the last time you went to the gym and worked out and had six-pack abs after the first... Exactly. Visit to the gym. <laughs> you know, it takes a little while to redevelop and reta- retrain that musculature. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just going to take time. So people have to give it time and be consistent with treatment and, re- and the exercises to make it happen. I got a great story on that. So a mentor of mine, he was the senior medical advisor for the St. Louis Cardinals. And he said, hey, do you know who Tommy John is? I said, yes. of course. Right. He said, do you know who Dr. Job is? I said, yeah, of course. Dr. Job was the guy who did Tommy's first surgery. He said, do you know how long it took for the first surgery? And I said, I have no idea. He said, three hours and 55 minutes. He said, do you know how long it took him to rehab that? He said, anywhere from 12 to 24 months. Right. And I'm like, oh, interesting. He said, do you know how long surgeries take now for Tommy John surgery? 55 minutes. Clear improvement, right? He said, do you know how long they take to rehab? Same amount of time. 12 to 20 months. 20 months. <laughs> and and yeah. yet, the yeah. expectations... Exactly. And, and I, yeah. I'm going to say, we just had this conversation, and when we're off air, I have some x-rays to show you, um, because, unfortunately, there's a huge gap between the interventionists, the mm-hmm. surgeons, mm-hmm. and rehab. Mm-hmm. And often, there's... Surgery's done. Yup, it's healing. Have a nice life. Correct. And their expectation isn't set up pre-surgical. The expectation is actually set up that either, you know, you're done mm-hmm. or 
in, in some more soft tissue-y things, you'll need to go to a rehab. Exactly. And the rehab is, if it's an elbow, they work your elbow, and if it's a shoulder, you work your shoulder, which makes no sense. Correct. And I'm like, I, and I love it to say, so did you fell down and you broke your ankle, did the rest of your body go with you? Correct. Like, perhaps there was trauma that didn't break that may actually be harder to rehab, but the awareness isn't there. And, you know, and, and moving so, towards balance, yeah, I, I wish that that discrepancy didn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and to your point, a lot of times, and there's research to prove this as well, is lack of balance can increase your chances of Tommy John surgery. Wow. So there's many times where we may rub on the elbow or the shoulder, but we got to look up and down the chain as well, right? Absolutely. We had that. Yeah. My, my nephew uh, went to college as, on a baseball scholarship and uh, had a goal to play uh, major league, and, and he ended up playing for major league baseball in their corporate team mm-hmm. as opposed to as a major league player. And, and it was very good. I mean, it was a very good pitcher, and he... At one point, he could not throw, could not get his arm back. And I said, it's coming from your left SI. And he was like, no, no, it's my arm. That's why I went out and trusted his left SI and he had full range motion. He's like, that makes no sense. I said, no, that's outside your understanding. It makes perfect sense if you understand that things are connected and they move in patterns. And unless you're balanced, you know, you don't get full motion. And it's not. It's, it's not even recognized in traditional education. Correct. You know, it's, it's, I, I remember taking um, Casey to, for a surgical opinion when we were, had attempted to rehab an ankle for uh, a few years and it was not nothing. And it turned out it was a complete tear. There was, it wasn't attached to the bone. So, you know, okay, fine, it's surgical. But when we went to evaluate, the knee and the ankle were both very dysfunctional. And I, he said, well, we're going to do this surgery, this surgery. I said, but how do you know, which is Mm -hmm. primary where, where you need the intervention? And his response was, I only do ankles. Oh, perfect. So I said, so you only do the (laughs) distal and not the proximal end of the bone, because we are discussing the same bone, bone, right? (laughs) And we left and that was not the surgeon because the surgeon who ended up doing the surgery said, let me watch you squat, let me see you move, let me see where the dysfunction is, please make sure that they are adjusted prior to the, Correct. so that I have my best chance of doing the best work. And I went, absolutely. you're my people. Yeah, absolutely. There's six of them on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you recommend people do to begin their process of finding out about balance? Uh, literally as easy as a self-assessment at home. So the research shows uh, eyes open, single leg stance, depending on your age, you should be able to hold that from anywhere from 8 to 40 seconds. Okay. Eyes, I'll be trying that today too. Eyes closed is going to be 2 to 10 seconds. Okay. Okay. And again, that depends on the age range of things. Once you check that, do you meet that criteria or not? And then is it symmetrical? Meaning, is it symmetrical side to side? So that's the self-assessment. That's as easy as nobody needs to be a genius to figure that one out. Okay. All right. When they can't, what's their next step? When they can't balance? Correct. Uh, seek out somebody as far as somebody like myself 
or, or a clinician in your area that's uh, a little bit more into the aspect of balance. And if they reach out to you, do you have assessments they can reach out for online or ways you can educate them if absolutely. they can't show up in Florida right now? Yeah, absolutely. We have a team that's helping me out because I'm getting a little over bombarded with, I just spoke at the PGA show last week. So because of that, a lot of people are reaching out for assessments. So the team, which I've, I've brought two good friends of mine on to help me with that. So we'll do the online assessment live online. Excellent. And then we'll program according to their And the live, the live, how do they reach you? Uh, best is by email. Okay, is, and what's your email? Yeah, drjspence at me.com. Perfect. And we will put that in writing for you underneath this so that you'll be able to reach Dr. James Spencer and continue your movement towards balance. This is Dr. Wendy Corrin. This is Dr. Dave Lundquist. And this is Dr. James Spencer. And this has been an Equiline podcast.